I chose this life because I remember the old life. And this one's way better. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, first off, thank you guys, everybody who came Sunday and participated and served and everything you did. I heard nothing but good reports, and it was just a good time, and I'm, I'm glad we got to, to be a blessing and uh, to make some connections and all that. So I had a good time. I think it was good. I'm, I'm glad we did it, and uh, who knows what we'll do from here. Amen. I told Chad, I said, we need to have a meeting so we can debrief and do a Bible study. <laughs> so we're going to debrief and have a Bible study. Amen. So I'm just excited for what God's doing. You know, I know I've said here quite a bit here lately, like we've got to take down the walls and the boxes and step out in faith and let God push us out into things that we haven't did yet, because if we always do what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always gotten, amen, and I don't believe that's God's will. He's got bigger and greater things, amen, but we got to be willing to step into it. Um, I'm not going to talk about that tonight, but I do want to talk to us for a few minutes. I'm going to get going because I, I don't want to take forever here, but uh, I want to talk to us tonight about being disciples. So I, I, over the last Wednesday nights, I've talked about hearing the voice of God, our personal relationship with God. I, I um, talked about getting a burden for the lost, letting God put his purpose and heartbeat in us. Uh, man, we talked last week about, like, things we can do to help us uh, reach out, you know, give us some tools and some things, some ideas of what we can do to help reach our community. Amen. And, and that's only part of the process. Really, that's all, like, first step stuff. Because in the end, we got to make disciples. I got to be a disciple, but I got to make a disciple. Amen. And uh, so I want to talk about that tonight. What, it, what, is it, what does it mean to be a disciple? And, and what does it mean to, to make disciples? Um, I'm going to give you some biblical principles about what it does mean to be a disciple. And um, so in the time of Jesus... A disciple would have been a student, or they would have been an apprentice. They would have been somebody who was in a mentor re relationship with somebody who was further along than they were in life. And uh, it was a, a teacher. They had a teacher or a rabbi in their lives. And, uh, you know, we, we got to understand something as a church. You and I, we've got to understand something. Disciples are made. We've got to understand that disciples are made, amen? Jesus told his disciples, go ye therefore and make disciples. Disciples are made. It takes work to make a disciple. Disciples, discipleship doesn't just happen by osmosis. <laughs> discipleship doesn't just happen by somebody being in close contact with you or with another person. Discipleship has to be intentional. It has to be purposeful. And it takes work on both sides of the process. It takes work on those who are doing the discipling and those that are receiving the discipling. It takes work. It takes work. Both parties have to engage in the work. It's work. It's effort. It's not just recruiting someone onto your team or inviting them to join the church or the congregation, but it takes time and it takes attention and it takes work to develop a disciple. Jesus would teach his disciples and then he would send them out. 
and then they would have to come and report back to him. He'd say, you guys go out, you preach the gospel, you heal the sick, you cast out demons, amen, and then I want you to come back to me and report what happened. And Jesus would rejoice with them on their, suggest- on their successes, and then he would coach them on the things that didn't go so well. He didn't just put principles into them and tell them to go do stuff, but then he, he took what they did and he said, okay, let's look at this now. How are we going to learn from this? How are we going to grow from this? What worked? What didn't work? What can we do better? So it was not just the teacher lecturing all the time and the student memorizing scriptures or remember what was being taught. It, it wasn't just the student being fed all the time, but there was also practical hands-on application that went with the teaching. Acts 6-7 says, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied uh, in Jerusalem greatly. So in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it talks about how the numbers of, uh, of, of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. You know, and a lot of times when we look at the book of Acts and we start looking at numbers and we, and we look at reports of revival and everything that was going on, uh, we like to look at how many thousand received the Holy Ghost and were added to the church in one day. Like we, we want to talk about the 3,000 that were added to the church in one day and then the 5,000 that were added to the church in one day. And uh, all that's great and all that's really exciting and that's really good stuff to talk about. And we should talk about that because it encourages us. But it's also interesting uh, how, how this separately says the number of disciples was multiplied. And this is important because that's a statistic about how a strong church moves forward. Amen. They didn't just have a day revival and all kinds of people were touched by God, but they kept moving forward. They kept going. It wasn't just an experience. It was something that was growing and emanating and multiplying out of them. Amen. A strong church with sustained growth moves forward when the number of disciples is being multiplied. It's not just having church congregants. It's not people just coming into a building or whatever or a uh, life group or any of that kind of stuff. That's part of it, but that's only one little part of it. That doesn't, that doesn't, that's not the number we need to go off of. Amen. So let's look at what a disciple is like because it's more than just being a student that listens, learns, and consumes, but there's also a hands-on application. So what's a disciple? John 15, 7, Jesus talking. He said, if ye abide in me, And my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Jesus says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And this kind of gives us a clue to a little bit about what a disciple uh, looks like and what it means to be a disciple. And uh, because we must always be remaining in him. First and foremost, we've got to remain in him. Like if we're not doing that, nothing else matters, amen? We've got to make sure that we're remaining in him, staying close to him, keeping his word in our hearts, having a personal deep relationship with him, not a casual just kind of walk with him, but a deep personal relationship that is in the forefront of your life every day. And, you know, we like that stuff as a church, we like to talk about that stuff. Most of us are really good, good with that. We want that. We want to spend time with Jesus, and we, we want to have communion with him, and we absolutely must do that. But then he goes on to say in verse 8, John 15 and 8, he says, Herein is my Father glorified. 
that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. He says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. In the New Living Translation, verse 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. So we've got to be producing fruit. If, if you're not producing fruit, you're not really a disciple. And, and that's not just talking about fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness. That's part of it. But no, it's, it's reproducing yourself. Fruit-bearing trees reproduce after fruit-bearing trees. Amen. It's reproducing yourself. A true disciple is going to produce fruit, and that's a sign of being a disciple. So that means if you are a disciple, you should be producing fruit in your life. And not just in your own life, but in other people's lives. Like that fruit should be growing in somebody else that's growing in you, because why? You've passed it on to them. You've shared it with them like it was shared with you. And that goes all the way back to Genesis 1.28, which is really the great commission to man. I just heard this the other day, and I was like, duh. Really, this is, this is man's great mission right here. And God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. That's our mission, to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth and subdue it. Amen. So, a disciple is someone that is both abiding in relationship with Jesus, but they're also multiplying. They're also reproducing themselves. So, the crowds are not disciples. Crowds are not disciples. Just because someone gathers with the crowd when Jesus shows up, that doesn't make them a disciple. Just because you or I gather together with others to learn or hear about Jesus on a regular basis, that doesn't mean I'm automatically a disciple. That doesn't qualify me to be a disciple. The crowd is always receiving. Jesus is teaching and Jesus is sharing with the multitudes. He's touching their lives and he's even doing miracles for them and great and mighty things. The crowd is always receiving from Jesus. And the disciples, too, are also receiving the uh, teachings of Jesus, but the disciples are also handing out the loaves and the fishes. The, the disciples are also getting involved in ministering to the people. They're not just hanging around being blessed by Jesus all the time and being encouraged by Jesus all the time and hearing all these great teachings from Jesus and all these great principles and then they're just walking around hanging on to that. No, they're going to take they take it and they go and they do something with it to bless the people. It's interesting that in Matthew chapter 14 when it gives the account of Jesus feeding the 5000, we find that Jesus he's ministering to the multitude, right? He's been out there uh, talking to these people all day, teaching them. He's, 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 he's feeding the crowd. Amen. And the disciples, though, they observe that it's late and that people are probably hungry. And so they decide to give Jesus some advice, <laughs> saying that he should send the multitude away to go buy food. They're like, you know, Jesus, everybody needs to go away because we don't have food to feed all these people, and they're probably hungry. So Jesus says to them that they don't need to go away but you guys give them something to eat. Now, now, we need to stop and think about this for a minute, right? Jesus is telling them they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat, right? 
Don't just send them away and hope that they are able to provide for themselves, but you guys feed them. And Jesus is telling his disciples the same thing today that he was telling his disciples that day 2,000 years ago. He's telling you and me, his disciples, he's saying, the people don't need to go away to find provision somewhere else, but you give them something to eat, each and every one of us. We're supposed to be the ones giving them something to eat. Don't just send them off on their their own and hope everything works out for them, but you feed them. And it's easy for us to say, but Lord, you know there's a really great coffee shop down the road with all the extras and all the fixes and everything else to go with the bread. It's just down the street, Lord. There's a place where they can go and get fed. They can go and get what they need. There's a place where they can find what they want. And we look at the lost souls of this world and even the people that are new converts and we're like, Lord, these people are hungry, Lord. I can see it. I see that they're hungry. I see that they're wanting to follow you. They're hearing your teaching, and they're hungry for it. So, Lord, you need to feed them. Lord, you feed them. Lord, we're going to put them in your hands, and you take care of them. And the Lord's looking at us saying, they don't need to go anywhere else to be fed. He's saying, you feed them because that's part of being one of my disciples. They don't need to go anywhere else. They need you to feed them. Of course, we know that he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, and he gave that to the disciples, and he had them give the food to the people. Now, in John chapter 21, which is the last chapter of the book of John, we find Jesus, he's, he's kind of he's walking on the beach with Peter, and John's kind of hanging out back there over, listen, over listening to their conversation. And, and, and John takes this conversation, conversation and he use, ends up writing it down. And he puts it in his uh, uh, gospel. And this is the very end of the discipleship of Peter. Okay? He's about ready to become an apostle. He's kind of like concluding his discipleship process with Jesus, if you could say that, because because he's about to become an apostle, a disciple maker. He's not going to be a disciple anymore. He's going to be a disciple maker. Because, but, you know, of course, we know that discipleship goes on and on and on and on. It's like an ongoing process. But there is a time where I have to go from just being a disciple to being a discipler to being a disciple maker. I can't just sit and be fed for the rest of my life here on this earth by Jesus. I need to take what he's given to me and go feed people with it. And so, Peter, he's, he's sitting there and he's talking to Jesus about stuff. And Jesus says, you know, Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, well, of course I love you. And so what does Jesus say? He says, well, if you love me, then feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Three times Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? Then feed my sheep. This is like the final part of your your discipleship, Peter, where you're going to transition and you're going to become an apostle. But Peter, you got to feed my sheep. It's not about you being fed anymore, Peter. It's about you feeding others. You have to feed my sheep. You have to multiply yourself. There has to be a multiplication coming out of you. And so just, uh, we just talked about Matthew 14 and the feeding of the 5,000 and 
And then in, in chapter 15 of Matthew, something similar happens, okay? In, in Matthew 15, it tells us about the feeding of the 4,000 and how Jesus had compassion on the multitudes because they were without food. And Jesus is the one now that points out this time that the people have nothing to eat. Because remember before, it was the disciples who said, hey, Jesus, these guys ain't got any food. But this time, it's Jesus who points out that there's no food. And, and Jesus, he, he, he kind of gives them the answer. He's like, he's like, he says they have nothing to eat. And so what do the disciples do? <laughs> they say, well, where are we going to get enough food to feed all these people? It's a whole multitude of people. How are we going to get enough food to feed these guys? And they ask a question, and, and it's a practical question, right? Like the question makes sense. How are we going to feed all these people? There's, you know, it says 4,000 men. So, I don't know, 8, 10, 12, 15,000 people sitting there. How are we going to feed all these people? But it's kind of like they hadn't really got it yet, amen. <laughs> like they had just went through this. And they're still like, well, okay, how are we going to feed these people? They didn't uh, still, they still didn't have a true grasp on what being a disciple really meant. So they're like, Lord, they're hungry, but where are we going to find enough food to feed this multitude? So Jesus asked them a question. He says, how many loaves do you have? Last time he was like, oh, they went and found the food with the little kid. And then Jesus blessed that food and he, he fed the people. This time he says, how much food, do you, how many loaves do you have? See, he wants them to look at what they have and not look to an outside source. And they're like, we have seven loaves. So Jesus takes them, multiplies the loaves to feed the people. And this time Jesus is saying, hey, you guys are my disciples. You guys are my disciples. You have to begin to understand what that truly means for you. And he's speaking to all, us also here some 2,000 years later, amen, because we are his disciples. At least I hope we're his disciples. I want to be his disciple, Amen. And so to his disciples, he's saying that the multitude is hungry, so what are you going to do about it? You know we, don't, we, we do not have a practical solution to feed this multitude. By our own understanding, there's no way for us to feed all these people. We can look at the world and we see all these people that are hurt and broken and they're lost and they're confused and they're bound by all this sin and hurt and the shame and the guilt of their lives and all this. And we can look at that and we go, how can we feed all these people? How can we meet their needs? But then Jesus just wants to know, how many loaves do you have? And he's looking at all of us, and he's asking the question, what do you have in your hand? Which as you're looking at what you have and you think that it's not enough, I mean, I don't have enough to feed them all and meet their needs. They're going to have to go. They got to go somewhere. They got to go somewhere to get that food. They got to go. I, I don't have it. I, I can't feed them. There's just not enough here to feed them. My time is limited. My resources are limited. My energy is limited. What I have in my hand is not going to be enough to feed them all, Lord. But let me assure you that Jesus wants to take what you do have in your hand and he wants to multiply it. And he wants to use it to bless people. He wants to use it to feed people. 
He wants to take what you're willing to offer, everything that you will give him, and he will multiply it, amen? And it will not only be enough for you, but it will be enough for all those that God puts in your path for you to feed them. He's telling us to feed his sheep. I don't know if you guys feel what I'm feeling in the spirit, but God is telling us it's time to go feed the sheep. It's time to get out of this, uh, whatever we've been doing for the last 15 years or five years or however long you've been in church, and get out and go feed the sheep. Stop being discipled and start being a disciple maker. We've got to be, and it's not going to just happen. And it's not me just going and inviting people to the church house. And it's not me just talking to them about, no, it's me spending days and days. I heard it takes eight months for somebody to become grounded in the church. Eight months. Eight months of discipleship just to get them grounded and settled where they're pretty committed. And that's just the beginning. Because then you got to start teaching them how to really love Jesus instead of the church and the people, and they got to fall in love with Him. And then you got to teach them once they do that, okay, now you got to fall in love with what He's in love with, which is other people. And then you got to take what He's given you and go reach them. It's just, it's a process, it's time, it's work. And it's not going to just happen. He's telling us to feed His sheep. Quit making excuses why what we have is insufficient. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the know-how. I don't have the resources. You got God. You got God. You got the creator of all heaven and earth, the provider of all things, the one with all knowledge, all wisdom, all understanding. He can, he can show you exactly what you need to do to reach that person he puts in front of you. And then to walk with them and to teach them and to love them and to disciple them. Just give what you do have to the one that's all sufficient and we will feed his sheep. We will feed his sheep. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and he spake unto them saying, I just love this. I don't know how many times I've read this verse, but here just recently, this, this right here has just rocked me. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus is saying, I have all power in heaven and earth. Whatever you can even begin to imagine, it's greater. <laughs> it's mightier. It's more powerful. And he's saying, because of that, go. You go. I need to go. Why? Not because of who I am, but because of who he is, amen? I'm not going in my power. I'm going in his power, amen? Because he has all power. He said, I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples. I want you to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of all the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So taking what was given to you and passing it on to somebody else. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. God's not going to ask you to do something that he's not going to make the way for you to do it. God's not going to call you out to do something and then just let you fall on your face. That's not, he wants you to succeed. Why? Because he wants you to reach souls and he wants you to feed his sheep. He wants you to be an overcomer and do what he's asking you to do. Amen. So here we have it again. He's talking to the disciples, and he's telling his disciples that they need to go make disciples. 
And they needed to teach their disciples all the things that Jesus had commanded them to do, which includes making more disciples. <laughs> this is multiplication. It goes to the next generation and the next generation, and it goes on and on. It goes beyond just me and one other person, you and one other person. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. He said, 2.2. Two. Sorry. Now my brain's like, bloom, bloom, bloom. okay. Second Timothy two two, and the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This verse covers four generations. Paul talking to Timothy, Timothy talking to faithful men who are able, and then them also going out and teaching it to others. That's the power of multiplication. Paul's telling Timothy to disciple others that are willing and able to make disciples also. That's four generations right there in just that one verse of people that will get the truth and that will go forward with it. That's one man with, that's only if he does with one person. Four people, Paul to Timothy, Timothy to another, and them to another. But that's not usually how it's going to work because it's going to be you and more than one. And pretty soon those, those 3, 5, 15, 20, whatever, are going to reach 3, 5, 15, or 20. Next thing you know, the influence of your one life has reached 100 people, 200 people, 500, people you don't even know, people you'll never come in contact with, but because God did something in your life and you shared it with another and they shared it with another and they took it, and who knows where it can go. But that's why we can't be roadblocks. I can't take what God's given me and just stop here. That is part of our solution for reaching this world, multiplying ourselves and others. We've got to take the loaves that we have in our hand, take what we have to offer, and the Lord will help us to multiply them. And one way to do that is we need to go out and find future apostles and begin to make them disciples. We need to define or we need to find disciple makers and help them become who they are meant to be. They're not an apostle right now. They're not even a disciple right now. They may be sitting on a bench in a cafe somewhere. <laughs> it may be that person you stand to next in the line at the grocery store. Many of you right here are soon to be apostles, amen, because you're going to become disciple makers. We've got to find the future apostles and make them disciples. And that's how those loaves are going to get multiplied and how it's going to feed the multitude of this earth that need to hear about Jesus. Look, I believe in you guys. I believe in you guys. I wouldn't be up here if I didn't believe in you. I wouldn't give my time and my energy and my resources if I didn't believe in you guys. But I believe in you. I believe in God's calling on your life. I believe in God's purpose for your life. I believe that God's going to do great and mighty things through each and every one of you. Amen. But we've got to get intentional about going out and feeding the sheep. 
God is moving us, and we go through, you know, everything goes in seasons in the earth, and even the church goes through seasons, and we've been in through a lot of seasons here lately, and the next season is harvest. So once that happens, there's got to be disciple makers. Because if you just harvest a bunch of stuff and throw it in the barn, it's going to rot, and it's going to die, and it's going to be useless. But if you throw it in the barn and then you take it and you take it and you begin to process it and you begin to pour into it and you put it through the systems and the structures that it's made to, you can make fuel from the thing that grew out in a field. I have a biblical mandate to not only impart biblical principles but, principles, but to also encourage you to implement what you've learned and then begin to teach it to others. I said this the other week. There's, there's enough biblical knowledge in this room alone. We could transform the world, let alone a city. But we've got to take what we've been given and impart it to people and, and, and use it and take our lives and let it guide our steps in what we're doing. You know what? Not everyone who heard the teachings of Jesus became a disciple. And not everyone who was a disciple became an apostle or a disciple maker, whatever you want to say. Because the apostle is someone who takes those teachings that they received and they teach it to others. They take it to others. And that is God's purpose and design for our lives. First to be a disciple yourself and then go make disciples. And then release those disciples to go make more disciples. Go and multiply yourself and others with the help of the Lord. That's God's blueprint for reaching this world. Amen. It's not going to happen by osmosis. It's not going to happen just because I live a good and holy and pure and perfect life before this world. Yes, that's part of it. And it can touch it. But that's not going to. I got to. Even that. I still got to get a hold of them and begin to teach them why. I live the life that I live and why I do what I do, amen, so that they can get a hold of it and then they can begin to uh, incorporate that into their own lives and they can walk in the holiness and the pureness of God and the truth of God and the power of God. And then, praise God, we're not going to just stop with that stuff because we're also going to help them to understand now, now it's your turn. It's your turn. You go find somebody, pray, ask God to lead your steps, guide you to somebody. He will do it, amen. And if he doesn't do it today and he don't do it tomorrow, you keep praying until he does it. And then when he puts somebody in your life, you grab a hold of them and you love them and you invest in them and you work with them, amen. I, 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 I'll just be, I, I'm not the, I haven't been the best at that over the years. When people start getting goofy with me and they start kind of like blowing me off and stuff, I'm just like, well... I'll go find somebody else. That's not a good philosophy. <laughs> now, you may need to do that, but I still need to love that person. And I still need to reach out to them. And I still need to try to impart into them every chance I get. Amen. I might be spending a lot more time with somebody else than the time that I was spending with that person in the beginning. But I still need to love them, and I still need to love them. And I can still, look, you guys. Moses, I'm, I'm going to just say this right here because it's going to rock you a little bit. Moses, right, Jethro, 
Jethro comes to him. He says, you're going to go crazy. You can't. You're going to drive the people crazy. You can't minister to all these people. There's too many. He said, so you need to make leaders, captains is what they're called, captains of 10, 50, 100, and 1,000 to lead those people. And then the great matters we'll bring to you, Moses, the ones that we can't figure out with the Lord. Okay? The first level of leadership is really 10. It's not one. We always talk about, go, everyone reach one. Who's your one disciple? I mean, that's a good thing. Like, amen. If you have zero, get one. But you need to be setting a goal of, I'm looking for 10. Because if I can get a hold of 10, and then they multiply, look out. And then if I can get a hold of 50 somewhere down the road, hey, we don't know what God's going to do. You don't know what God could open up in your life and the people he could put in your path that, he could, that you, he could use you to impart into them the principles of God. And they could go start whole churches. <laughs> but really, the very first level of leadership is 10. And if you can reach 10 people, you've, I don't know what that would be. What's a, it's not a quadruple. It's a tenified. A deca. No, I don't know. Anyway, there'll be 10 times of you, 10 more of you. And then if those 10 get 10, oh my Lord, look out. Because while those 10 are getting their 10, now you're starting to work on another 10. Next thing you know, there's 100 over here. And you're still working. You're starting another round. And then those hundreds turn into thousands and millions and billions. I've been praying for God to do a quick work. I know I heard that eight months thing, and I don't, I'm, I, I'm not going to hold on to that too much. But it is kind of a thing to keep in our minds. Like, it's not that easy. It's not just some little simple thing that we do for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden somebody's bought into the church and living for Jesus. They've been living for the world for 45 years or however long. And like, you got to try to get all that out of them. It takes time. And even in the midst of that, you got stuff that comes along and next thing you know, your disciples knock down the road. Trust me, I've had quite a few of those. I've had dudes that I've poured poured into, poured into. Poured. I don't even know where they are today. I have no, no idea where they're at. It was just kind of like they just shut off, gone. Don't even know where they're at. But that's not going to stop me. Amen. Because there's 36,000 people in this city right here. <laughs> so we've got to multiply ourselves, you guys, and that's got to be intentional. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a true disciple. I want to be a disciple maker. I don't want to just, I'm thankful for all the blessing God's done in mine because he's done so much. But I'm not satisfied with that because there's hurt and broken people all around us and we see it. So much crazy stuff going on. And they need Jesus. And how are they going to get him if we don't take him to him? So stand our feet. And I just want you to lift your hands right now, and I want you to commit that you're going to be a disciple maker. Amen. Oh, Jesus, help us, God. 
God, we're going to feed your sheep, God. We're going to feed your sheep, God. I'm not going to worry about the loaves. I'm not going to worry about the resources that I have in my hands because I know you can take those and you can multiply them, God, and you can, God, extend them beyond anything I could ever do with them to begin with anyway. Hallelujah, Jesus. And God, you're leading us and you're directing us, God, and you're imparting into us your heartbeat, God, and your purpose and your mission, God. And it's not going to be just a head knowledge, but it's going to be something that drives my actions. It's going to drive my feet. It's going to drive what I do with my time and my energy and my resources, God, because I want to see your glory in this world. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see the kingdom of heaven advancing in this world, overcoming the hurt and the brokenness and the shame and all that we see, the fear and the doubt and the anxiety and everything the world is throwing at people in the name of Jesus. God, we're going to see them set free and we're going to see them healed and we're going to see them delivered in mass amounts, God, in the name of Jesus. It's not going to be one or two here and there, God, but it's going to be multiplication.